0: This is episode 18 of Hustle Culture with Luis Congden. How to go from poverty to building a six figure animal business.
1: You're listening to the Hustle Culture Podcast, where we profile hustlers from all over the world as they go through the climb and seek to make a difference. Here are your hosts, Tayo Roxon and Carlos Gill.
0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hustle culture. Today's guest is Louis Congdon, and as always, I've got my co-host and trusty sidekick, Carlos Gill. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, a true immigrant story today, as well as the true hustle um, that it takes from being homeless to building a six-figure
1: annual business. Los, hey, what is happening, Tio? It's so good to be with you on another episode of Hustle Culture. And yeah, we've got a great guest lined up, Mr. Luis Congdon. He's the mastermind of podcasters' secret weapon. So for anyone out there that's looking to get into the podcasting game, or if you currently host a podcast, this is the perfect episode for you. But we're also gonna talk about who is our guest. We're going to talk about his humble upbringings, and he's got a great story to share with all of you. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to our guest. Welcome to Hustle Culture, Luis.
2: Honored to be here, man. Honored to be here, guys. Your, your energy is fantastic. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, hey, you know, the pleasure's all mine. You know, we were talking pre-show about your, uh, your beginnings, and you had said that you were basically, I don't know, within throwing the, a stone's throw of uh, the infamous Pablo Escobar, where he used to live in Medellin, Colombia. So can you tell us about your humble beginnings and what that was like for you growing up in um, Colombia?
2: Yeah, you know, I was born into a lot of poverty and and violence. My life was, um, you know, thank God that I was very naive. But it was 1983. Colombian cocaine cartel was at the height. Medellin is the epicenter for... Basically, the the whole cocaine thing that happened during this the 70s, 80s, and 90s really came out of Medellin, where I was born, and I was born about, about a mile away from where Pablo Escobar was born. Um, and just just you know, give you an idea, is this very extreme poverty. Uh, my mom was a drug addict when I was born. She was addicted to cocaine and alcohol. Uh, a month they're 25 years old uh, with three children in the home, and I was the third child and and no father around. Um, So my life was difficult, you know, Uh, and my mom left the house all day long and left my sister and I, my brother got kind of picked up by a different aunt and uncle. uh, And my sister and I would be left indoors all day long while my mom went out and scored drugs. You know, that sets a very, I, I feel like the experiences that we have as children really sets a foundation for what we're going to experience as adults. And I've had to really struggle and fight the foundation that was laid for me for the first eight years of my life.
1: Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's definitely touching. And, uh, you know, part of, part of our show, uh, as we were telling you, in the pre-show is, you know, we really like to, to talk with hustlers about, You know, their upbringings, and that's that's extremely important because you know, Tyler and I, we've talked about this so many times. You know, your your past kind of defines your present. And your present essentially is what lays the foundation down for your future. So we're gonna get into on this episode of Hustle Culture about your climb and and talk about what you're doing today in the podcast community, but Growing up in Medellin, you call it a third world country. You grew up around drugs, broken family. What impact has that made on you growing up?
2: You know, we really, you know, are, it's such a big question for me, you know, because I went through a period where. I tried to become a monk for nearly 10 years. I didn't believe in relationships with uh, with the opposite gender, really. I mean, I believe that you could be friends with them and stuff, but I just didn't believe in romantic relationships. I struggled with money. Uh, I didn't really believe in business. Um, so the foundation that was set for me was it kind of took me on some very extreme paths of not really trusting human beings and feeling like you know spirituality was going to be my salvation, and in many ways it was, you know, because through my experiences of of seeking God, if you will, or or finding my my center, one of the things that I had to kind of unpack was, you know, why did my mother get killed when I was base when I was five years old? Why was I homeless for three years? You know, why was I adopted into a country that no one spoke my language and I felt like I was, you know light years away from from where I was brought up, which is incredibly traumatizing for an eight-year-old to come to another country and no one knows you, no one speaks your language. The first school I went to was 1991. George Bush Sr. was in office, uh, not a particularly friendly office towards Latinos. Um, And, you know, so to some degree, Washington State was just not a, there wasn't a lot of Latinos here, you know. So, you know, trying to figure out you know, why, why was my mother gone and, and why did I have to go through all these experiences? I suffered for a while, you know, and at some point in our suffering, at least for me, I had to decide, you know, is this what I want to continue to believe? Do I want to continue to believe that, you know, I'm this orphan child and poor me and that my life sucks and that I've had a very difficult life because of everything that's happened to me? Or can I take this and turn something, create some sort of beauty from it? Uh, You know, there's this wonderful line by a poet that says, you know, um, in in third world countries, children and families use manure for fuel. And so how do we turn that story that's basically the manure and make it fuel or use it to grow flowers? So I had to reinterpret my story. And I would think I would say that that's probably the most powerful gift that I was given. You know, you said that our past creates our present. And I'd like to add that that past gave me a big present because I reinterpreted my mother's death as this was a hard time during the 1980s. My mother was lost and living in a chaotic time period. And she made the best choice that she could give uh, and do by letting herself die so that I could be adopted, come to a very fortunate country. I mean, United States is one of the most affluent countries and full of opportunities, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. And in my mother's death, there was a sort of redemption. Uh, And I was also given the opportunity to have a mother for the rest of my life, uh, because, you know, I have conversations with her, and I was able to connect with her, and I was able to have a different kind of relationship to a mom that most people will never have. Um, And so, you know, as I've been growing up, I've had to draw on that kind of experience and looking at life and trying to reinterpret what something means. Uh, Anthony Robbins talks a lot about that, right? You know, right. Uh, so, yeah, yeah.
0: man, I, I, talk to me, man. So so th- th- let's let's do a brief rundown of what's happened so far in your life. You you know, you know, a homeless, young child in the third world country, you know, but you got adopted and then I know I know this because you told us before your parents divorced once you got adopted. And then, um, you know, you were having a difficult time fitting into school. You know, it was, it was not necessarily a conducive time for um, people towards Latinos. And then can you tell us what happened when you were 18? Because you said, based on what you told us before, you went back to Medellin, Colombia. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, was that yeah. experience? what was that experience like for you?
2: My adopted parents actually got divorced a few years after I was in the United States. So um, I went back to basically living with one person again, which was a man. Um, you know, just a little thing about the challenges that I, I kind of went through. Um, you know. So when I turned 18, I had been trying to get a hold of my biological family um, and when i was adopted it was kind of a complicated turn of events i was homeless with my uncle who was a homeless uncle Um, and we traveled from home to home and he would work in people's houses and uh... my dad one day said that he could take me in i'd never met the guy but through his sister she came and picked me up and then she dropped me off in an orphanage and my father came in while i was in the orphanage playing with other kids signed the paperwork and I was signed over to the orphanage. A few weeks later, my uncle, who was in a completely different city, you know, across the uh, across the desert and every in the, the rainforest, he you know saw in the newspaper that I was up for adoption. So he took a bus back up and tried to pull me out of the orphanage. They wouldn't let him. He gave a card uh, to me with an address, which I kept hidden. And when I turned 18, I looked at that card again, and it had an address. I wrote a letter to that address, and it eventually got to some of my other family members. So when I was 18, I went to Costa Rica, stayed with a family for a month to try to (laughs) relearn Spanish because I'd completely forgotten Spanish. Um, And I flew down there by myself, and then I went to Colombia by myself, which was scary. Um, I'd never really been away from home. Uh, for you know, to another country before I'd been away at like a counselor camp and stuff. So you know, I flew down to Medellin, Colombia, and I reunited with my sister. I found out that I had an older brother, uh, and then I met my father for the first time. And honestly, I w- wanted to punch him. I mean, my my intention was like, I'll meet this guy. He seems like a jerk. I don't know if you can swear, so I'm not.
0: You could say, say what you want to say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, but but my sense was, is I'm just gonna punch this guy. And because, you know, like, F you, thank you for giving me, like, you know, the sperm essentially that gave me life, but I don't, I don't ever want to see you or talk to you. But when I saw him, you know, I saw this man in his 40s come and grab me. He's a barrel of a man with tears just streaming down his face, and he's apologizing profusely and just holding me. And in that moment, I just felt like, you know, this is my opportunity to let go of this pain, and this is also an opportunity to realize, like, he was maybe 28, 29 years old in the most hectic of times in a third world country. And I'm 32 years old now and just like taking care of a kid is nuts, you know. So mm. three kids in a poverty-stricken country that's ruled by violence and, and uh, narcos, you know, at some point we got to find forgiveness. And I, and I was fortunate enough to find that. Um, but it was still like a very hard experience. You know, when I was in Columbia, I gained like 15 or 20 pounds. I drank a lot. Um, I went out a lot. Uh, but you know, that was kind of my redemption, I guess, if right. you will. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would just want to point out, this is, this is before the days of Facebook where finding in this case, your biological father was probably much more difficult than it is today.
2: Mm mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well put. Yeah. This was, um, I don't remember what year it was. I was I, it's hard for me to think of what year it is, but I was eighteen and I was born in nineteen eighty three, so you know, some Yeah, like we're we're in, the same age, man, 32. maybe. Yeah. Nineteen eighty three was a good year. You
0: you won't call us at the same age, uh, you know, you know. Hey, I'm technically still in the eighties. You know, I snuck in. So There you go, there you go. <laughs> snuck in in the last year I'm eighty nine. But um all right. No, this, this is
1: this I I love hearing I love hearing the story because it's just it, it's emotional, man. Yeah. It's it's raw. Like I, I hear you telling it. You know, as it is, man, I'm just here like, man, this this dude has just gone through so much shit. You know, I I am gonna swear. <laughs> this guy's just <laughs> so much shit that I can't even like I can't even come to like put myself in your shoes, bro. Absolutely. So yeah, man, I'm really curious to know. Um, do, are you and your father close now? Like do you guys have a relationship? You know, it's uh
2: it's a complicated relationship for me as much as he would like it to be simple um you know you know there's a poet named Pablo Neruda who says you know forgiveness is easy but forgetting takes so long yeah and it took me a long time to come to a place where it was it's not that we forget but to a place where it's like we're willing to let go and not hang on to the memory yeah so it wasn't until like a few years ago I called him on the phone uh crying and I said you know I'm sorry that I've been hanging on to this and, I, and I've and i been holding you prisoner, um, you know, because I, I'm still angry at you um, and, and, I, and I feel like I'm ready to let go of that. So it wasn't until a few years ago, but here's the thing is I was 18 years old when I first met him, um, you know, I came back to the United States, like calling him, he's not very like, you know, social, uh, not socially aware, but like um, media aware. So like you can't connect with him via email, like yeah, I got to call him and he doesn't really call me um and that's just it's kind of an awkward thing you know for somebody that I didn't really know and I met him for the first time when I was 18 and then met him again when I was 21 um so it's it's a very convoluted thing because he also you know he left my mother and he was originally the drug addict and then my mom became the drug addict i can't say that i blame him but i also say that um you know there's no blame there's no need to blame right yeah. but what i do feel is that It's a lot of energy to put into people and and my time is just, I mean, I I hope this never gets to him because I I love him and and I cherish him. But I just, it's hard for me to reinvest the time to rebuild that. Like I have a family here, I'm very happy and I I run two successful businesses so I'm incredibly busy. Um, So yeah, we have a decent relationship.
0: Mm, no, no okay. good. Let, now, let, you, you touched on it there with businesses. There, I'm uh, I'm an avid podcaster. I, I host. This is the second one I host. Uh, the other as told by Nomads. And as I said earlier, uh, before we got on to the interview, I'm hoping to build a network of podcasts for millennials that you know that contains content that we care about. Essentially, like a, you know, like an HBO or or uh, for podcasts. So you. Or someone that's that's also an avid podcaster, but you you have a business, like you just said, two successful businesses, and you've grown from all this, this, you know, down and out of luck type of person to build in an incredible online platform that, you know, yields upwards of 10K a month. Can you walk us through the genesis of that and how you really saw a path for success for yourself?
2: Yeah, you know... Kind of to round the story off, uh, two maybe two and a half years ago, I became homeless, and I was sleeping in my car. I was sleeping in a park. Most of my life, I had this fear of being poor, not having enough. Um, okay. Overdraft fees haunted the hell out of me. Um, this idea that I'd be broke—it just scared me, you know. And and I in our thoughts really do create, and our feelings really do have some sort of, you know, emotion can move us, and I was moved towards a level of poverty that I had to go into to be kind of almost like a fire baptism, so two and a half years ago, I got to that place where I was just broke, I couldn't afford to really put uh, gas money into my car, even though I had a community that I could call on and sleep in their homes and stuff, I, I just didn't want to tell anybody that I was that down and out, you know? So. Out of that, though, was born a really deep desire to try to figure something else out, you know, because building someone else's dream is rough Um, and having a ceiling on your finances is rough. And knowing that no matter how hard you work, you know, you might get a 25 cent raise like that's tough. So I started podcasting as a way to just try to connect with high-level people, celebrities in different niches, just as a way to almost get like free education and as a way to meet and network with high-level people in the hopes that, hey, if people heard that I was interviewing a 19-time Oprah guest or a 10-time New York Times bestseller or the guy who created ClickFunnels and .com Secrets, if people saw me interviewing these people, would it – elevate my status and it sure as hell did um, you know in a period of one year I went from not really like I didn't know Twitter I didn't know Facebook I didn't know websites I just didn't get this whole online thing but through podcasting what ended up happening is people started I created a free Facebook group actually and I was just trying to help people for free that's my background 10 years and the nonprofit and people started approaching me like, hey, how do you do this? How do I do that? And then somebody eventually came to me and was like, hey, I'll pay you $10,000 a month to basically handle my podcast, help me build an email list, and, and run a Facebook group. And I was like, okay, well, I can help you with the show and the Facebook group. And uh, from there, I was like, wow, there's good money in this. Uh, so then I created a digital course just you know, after hundreds of hours of giving people free time. I knew what people's pain points. I knew what people were trying to understand. Um, and as a complete noob, I really understood like, hey, this is from ground zero. These are the ground zero questions, and I've built up to here. So I just need to answer the questions from there to there. And now I've, I've, you know, elevated to a point where I have companies sending me free equipment. Um, you know, in a few months, I'm going to be giving away about, I don't know, close to like 1500 or $2,000 worth of stuff wow. to people. And then I have uh, – and these are companies that send me this stuff uh, to give away, you know, and you know, I did an interview for thirty minutes, and the guest afterwards sent me uh, close to a thousand dollars because he made money from coming on my show, uh, wow. and, and and he paid me out for that. Uh, you know, and then we have things like all sorts of affiliates and stuff happening, and uh, it's really cool to get that rolling money going. Um, and it, you know, it's been fun. It's been a really incredible journey to go from being poor immigrant immigrating over here being poor again as an adult and having to confront those demons of poverty and it's something that chases us and haunts most of us for for most of our lives
0: yeah i I just i just want to if it's okay how many what numbers do you do right now in terms of podcasting
2: you know, it's funny because people ask me that question and I and I love to kind of myth people because the podcast that's producing the majority of the money for us will do anywhere from like 20 to 100 downloads a day, which in my mind is not that great. Like, you know, one of my friends Nathan Latka, he's doing a million downloads a month, uh, you know, and he built that from zero and within 6 months was getting a million downloads a month. Um, wow. but here's here's the deal for us What we've really focused on is building a really quality and solid following so that when people listen to our show, you know, I might only get 10 people, but those 10 people are each willing to spend $1,000 sometimes on something that we throw at them, whereas you might get a a million listeners, but how active are you engaged in listening to the radio station? So that is the difference, and that's what I help podcasters do is like let's build that and let's learn how to monetize immediately because it's not – you know, it's almost like getting sexual here. It's not the size <laughs> that matters, right? It's your ability to work it. Hey, well, and, you're and saying size really doesn't true.
1: matter here. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> but, but wait, man, I'm, I'm I'm curious to know. I'm curious to know this though. So you, you had mentioned you had mentioned a number out there, and that's Ted. Yeah, you know, using mm-hmm. again, it's not the size that matters. It's 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 the width. It's the quality. Yo, <laughs> you stop, had mentioned Carlos. If you get ten <laughs> yeah, on. <yeah>, <laughs> You, you mentioned, hey, hey, I'm I'm just rolling with the title. You <laughs> mentioned you mentioned ten people. If ten people jump on, and those ten people pay you a thousand bucks, but I I I think I might miss something here. Are we talking about using podcasting for selling informational products? What exactly yes. would these ten people be paying for?
2: So usually, what people pay for is so I have several courses that I sell. So these people will head on over to my website. And either purchase that or they'll purchase something that my guest is selling or they'll jump onto – every once in a while I do webinars. I don't really like doing webinars. I haven't figured out how to – how to. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of work to figure out how to get enough people on a webinar and then how to convert through a webinar. And I'm not a big funnel builder. I'm a networker. Um, and because I have such a strong association with some really high-level players – uh, and have gotten testimonials from you know like UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Hall of Famer Boss Rutan. He was in a couple movies with Kevin James. Like he came on my show, and then we became friends. I have his phone number. I've done some work for him. He sent me a testimonial. And once that kind of stuff happened, I think that my podcast started to garner the attention of really high caliber guests as well as really high caliber listeners. Um, so if that makes sense. But they, I mean, they're they're buying anything. I mean, I I really believe believe that if you find something that you love and you believe in it is actually your it's almost like a moral obligation for you to introduce people to it and so what I do through the show is I say hey you know you're checking out the show right now um you know Carlos and 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 Teo have a really fantastic program head on over to the website we've got some crazy cool free stuff for you and yeah they're going to give you an opportunity to buy their program check it out um and and people I don't know people seem to, to they know that I'm providing something quality. I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. We're essentially talking about then using podcasting for lead gen is what it sounds like.
2: Yeah. You can use it for lead gen. Definitely. I mean, look, a podcast ideally isn't, is, is a lead generator. I look at a podcast is an arm of my business, but it isn't the business. Um, even though like if I wanted to, you know, here and there I could make, I could live off my show purely, but Like, I don't want to just live off interviews. I want to do much more in the world. You know, I want to write books. I want to create products, programs. You know, we have a 12-week group coaching program. I want to do a lot more in the world.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Huh, interesting. Um, I guess, you know, why this was fascinating for us is because, you know, Carlos and I are podcasters and we're always looking – to see if this <laughs> could, you know you know, for, 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 you know. <laughs> but wait so we as you know we could tell we, we're intently asking these questions because we, we really want to know it because this is a hey, fasc- i'm here taking notes <laughs> yeah it's a fascinating business model we've never seen it that way because typically with podcasts you hear sponsorship and ads are the typical you know means mm-hmm. To to make money, into, it's really
2: it's yeah. really hard to get sponsors. It's gonna take a lot of work, and and here's the thing: is that if you're if you're really in business, ideally the ROI is visible from day one, and ideally the ROI it can happen within the, the next few months. You can have some ROI, um, you know. So. That that's the strategy that I teach is let's make money like right now. Like you have 10 listeners, fantastic. Let's let's produce income from those 10 listeners. You know, cool, you got a guest. Let's teach you how to become friends with those guests. Because imagine, you know, you have a guest on your show that could totally freaking change your life. Like I don't want to just do an interview with Gary Vaynerchuk or you guys. I don't even, I mean, before the interview, I said, hey, guys, why don't you join my Facebook group? It's a paid group with a program. It's free. But I'm going to just let you guys in because when anybody comes into my field, my goal is to bring so much freaking value that anytime they think of me, people just go, oh, yeah, he's a good dude, man. Oh, yeah, he does that. You should hire him. Um, and, And as podcasters, that's what we should be focused on is that our guests are actually like potential friends. And we should do whatever we can to, to become friends with them. It's not going to happen with everybody, but I have a really good success rate that when someone comes on my show, they introduce me to their friends, they refer me, or they email out for me, or they come and critique my funnel, or whatever it might be that, that they can help me with, um, and, and you can do that, you know? So ideally, you spend 30 minutes with someone, hey man, that's, that's no longer like a face in the crowd, random face, that is someone you know. Exactly.
1: Those <laughs> Yeah, no, you you bring up good points, you know. I I'm, I'm here honestly sitting back taking notes, man, because it's like Tyle said, you know, we're, we're both, you know, tyle has been in the game a lot longer than I with um as told by nomads, he's over 100 episodes in, you know, here with Hustle Culture we're approaching 20. I've got another podcast Social 545, which is also around 20 episodes. And let's face it, we all think about how can we monetize, how can we monetize our time? You know, we do podcasting mm-hmm. because it's it's passion, um, it's exposure. We get to interact and, and chat with cool people like yourself. And for us with Hustle Culture, we're looking to use this as a, as a stage to help others tell their story like you've done here with us today. Uh, but again, you know, let's face it. We want to be able to make some money. So like Tyler said, a lot of podcasters go down the route of they create 100 episodes and they say, all right, I'm going to start shopping this around. And then they get really disappointed, and discouraged. When they find out <laughs> that people aren't biting because they're not going to just fork over, you know, a 10 grand a month to associate their name with a podcast. Uh, but it, right. it totally makes sense what you're saying. Cause I, I will say that since I started podcasting with Tayo and then with my other uh, co-host Saba on Social 545, I've had people reach out to me through all sorts of mediums, through Twitter, through Snapchat. They'll email and they'll just say like, hey, man, like I really enjoyed your podcast. Where can I learn more about you What are you selling? What are you offering? How can I get on your email list? So everything that you're saying here now, I'm connecting the dots and thinking like, wow, like this is a legitimate – I call it lead gen. Uh, You might have another name for it. But I see it as like this is – No, lead gen is perfect. Yeah, it's, it's lead gen. Yeah, we, basically, no, good, what, what's good, happening, Luis, yeah. is that
0: you just blew our minds. So you just, you're just hearing, <laughs> you're totally hearing all our me. brains spew out right now. So that's what it is. Well,
2: listen, you know, good business, good business is ultimately first you need to create trust and likability. You know, then you need to be able to teach the person something so that then they want to transact with you, and you need to cover those bases. And a podcast is allowing you to do that. But you know, let's not let's not forget the fact that you can get to do all of that and you get to meet incredible people and deliver people that incredible quality content. So yeah, Legion is fantastic. Um, you know, and I've created a whole product teaching people this stuff and I've had really good success because, well, I'm pretty damn good at it. Um, you know, and, and it'll be fun to have you guys inside the group and you know, um, yeah. And people who want to learn more about that kind of stuff that we're talking about and blowing your mind open. I mean there's a lot more stuff you can do. Uh, in under a year, I'm now speaking in Florida, New York, and and Oregon, and some of the people that I'm speaking with have been in the game for like ten, fifteen years plus, and I'm like hanging out with them for the whole day, having my flight paid for, my hotel paid for, my food paid for, and luxury car services picking me up. Um, and it's and it's honestly, it's through podcasting. It's just ridiculous.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. I mean- Would you say that's because podcasting gives you? a platform that you can offer it's it's essentially like bartering so you had mentioned gary v before gary has a book Mm -hmm. coming out so he's gonna need you know he has a huge mega platform of his own but he's also gonna need other platforms Mm -hmm. to tell his stories to to get listeners or viewers to buy his book so would you say that that's that's like the value add that podcasting gives you you actually have a tangible asset that you can give to someone in exchange for their time
2: Here's what I tell people is that when you bring someone on your podcast, you're doing them a gift because you're creating content, you're then delivering that content and sharing that to an audience that has never met them before. They already That audience that you have already loves, likes, and trusts you and is likely to transact with you if you know how to make sales and you know how to build a funnel. Because uh, you got to understand the whole funnel and you can't just be like, hey, buy my stuff. You know, you you, you got to understand that whole piece too. And, you know, generating leads is great, but then you got to know what to do with a lead. And a podcast at least gets you the lead. And so anytime somebody comes on my show, yeah, I'm very – it's clear. I'm doing them a favor, but also they're doing me a huge favor. Every single person that comes on my show, uh, you know, like – we've had a lot of amazing people. And I just view it as an opportunity to ba- basically be coached. I mean, you guys just had a breakthrough right now. Like, oh shit, I didn't realize that with podcasting. I'm sitting on a like a gold mine, you know? Now imagine doing that four hours, every single one day a week for four or five hours, you know, interviewing four or five people. That is a lot of education you're gonna get uploaded to, a lot, a lot of people you're gonna meet. Now Gary V is incredibly hard to, to meet, um, but like one of my friends, Interviewed him, but Gary V went a step further and invited the guy to his office, filmed the whole interview, put it on YouTube, and then invited the guy back three more times, which uh, is really incredible. But he uses a podcast as a way to like meet Gary V, you know, and it was really incredible. And I've done case studies on, you know, another guy. He met Joe Polish. Joe Polish is like right up there with Dan Kennedy as far as the you know copywriting marketing world. And this guy listened to the the guy's. Podcast and through another person, JJ Virgin, they were this guy was invited to come and out, out to eat with like the world's greatest marketers to hang out with them. That's what you're sitting on with a podcast. You have a gold mine. What my course teaches people is really how to like fully explode all of that. Multi- I mean, and there's so much stuff you can do with it. You're sitting on an incredible uh, gift, you know, and not everybody has the talent to know how to like do everything with the mics. Not everybody has the talent. I mean, you guys are really like, it's freaking awesome to hear you guys get all lit up and ask questions. Like not everybody has that talent. Uh, you know, so you guys have something really special right now in front of you. That includes the listener because you're getting to listen to something awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we, 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 we definitely appreciate it. And, uh, you know, again, so many of these episodes take different directions. It, it, it's funny because we think that the episode's going to go in one direction and all of a sudden it just takes a a detour and it's funny because you're schooling us on our show and like I love it man because I know if we're getting jazzed up our listeners out there someone right now is probably listening to this and they're thinking holy shit i was just sold on why I need to get into the business of podcasting. And I think you said something early
2: on, which is very, very important. And Can I tell you an awesome little story? This is like what changed my life with podcasting is I reached out to a guy who'd been on Oprah, a record setting 19 times. Dr. Harville Hendricks, just like one of my heroes in the relationship field, we did an interview. He's one of the first guys I interviewed. And at the end of the interview, he said, Hey, why don't you come out to New York to my, uh, you know, three, three and a half day workshop. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to pay for the whole thing. So why don't you just come? And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that, that just changed my life. It was like, wow. I just talked to like a guy who's met Oprah over 20 times, like been on her show over 20 times. And he just, like, he didn't even know who I am. I didn't have a website. I didn't have a podcast. I didn't have social media. I just knew how to land very high-profile people. And he invites me to come out to New York and pays for, like, the whole thing. You know, that's my lodging, my food, the whole experience. And then afterwards, I met him in person, talked to him for a little bit, and he said, why don't you come down to Texas and help me teach a class? You're bilingual, right? And I was like, yeah, I speak Spanish. He said, great, you can translate some of the stuff that we're doing and work with some of the latin families that we're working with through our nonprofit, and i was like cool
0: <laughs> you know you know what's crazy is that you've mentioned two of our biggest inspirations mine is oprah and uh one of carl's is, is uh gary vanderchuk
1: and you know that's <laughs> that's, a, that's an it's mm. an amazing it's, thing. Good, it's a good episode <laughs> Yeah, it's a good episode when uh, you know the biggest idols of the uh, both hosts on the show are mentioned by the guest. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I know,
0: I know, Carlos, you're going to ask questions. I don't know if you uh, if you want to ask that now.
1: Now, you know, one of the things that Luis said earlier on was about money. You know, and and the experience of sleeping in your car, being homeless, and you know, y- y- you remind me actually, man, a lot of Tile and I, like, we're passionate people, and I hear your passion, I feel it. Like, yes, you're making good money today, but you're humble enough to recognize where you, where you came from. And that's extremely important. So I, I just wanted to add, like, while it's cool that we're, he- we're getting excited at how we could po- possibly be monetizing our own podcast and how others can do it, you should never do anything being driven by just the almighty dollar. Do it if it makes sense and if, you know, if it's something that you're extremely passionate about. But don't be just swayed Amen. by the money aspect.
0: Absolutely. We're, we're getting ready to wrap up here. But what I always ask on my other show, I'm just going to as well ask it here because it's my mission statement, is, uh, Luis, how do you use your difference to make a difference?
2: You know, my biggest difference is the story that you heard about how I've grown up. And I use that big difference as a way to connect with a lot of people because my story, while it's unique, it's also a universal story. Um, Everybody has suffered. Everyone has lost somebody. And everyone understands what it's like to forgive and try to find love again. Uh, and And I try to use that story to help people.
0: Gotcha. Love it. Love it.
2: Luis, tell us where
1: anyone listening to this episode can learn more about you and your business.
2: Yeah, you can find everything about. Me over at thrivinglaunch.com. Over there, you can learn how to do the podcasting thing or how to launch a digital program for passive income. Best choice you'll ever make. Uh, <laughs> head on over to thrivinglaunch.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. I really pride myself on being a person, so don't hesitate to email me, or Facebook message me, or tweet at me. Uh, I like people, and I I want to hear what you're up to.
0: Awesome, awesome, and I can testify to the fact that he he does respond to emails. Um, but w- my favorite thing about you, Luis, is that it, um, it's your quiet confidence. You know, no one should ever mm-hmm. take your, your your quietness or your soft nature for for lack of confidence, because you know what you have is gold, <laughs> and you don't hesitate <laughs> to say it. So I I <laughs> I love it, um, and it's great. It's great. Uh, uh, I don't know. If, yeah, I mean, Carlos, I'm still reeling from this mind blowing episode. So I don't know if you wanna say something as I recover.
1: You know what? What we've been sitting here actually sent a direct message on Twitter to a a friend of mine that hosts another podcast. And I said, yo, man, you need to talk to this guy. Uh, He's making money podcasting. He can probably help you out. And I'm seeing here on Twitter. He just sent you a tweet. So, uh, hey, man, this this is how networking happens in real time. We're here recording the podcast and I'm making
2: intros. That's on social doing. media, for sweet man. And if he buys my course, I'll give you some money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I
0: mean, hey, just
2: make good. sure I mean,
1: he's a friend referral. Just take a few dollars, a few extra dollars off, and we'll call it even. Yeah, exactly. Just,
0: just, t- just give him a discount or whatever, and then you. Okay. Go- yeah, we're we're. I'll,
2: I'll I'll give him I'll give him something special. <laughs> cool. 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 Oh, Luis,
1: man. we got we got <laughs> a segment that we typically round out our show with do you watch shark tank by chance
2: i've watched it a few times
1: watch all right so so we got a segment in which our guests they got 30 seconds they can pitch themselves they can pitch somebody else but it's 30 seconds for you just to be you and do you and we just want to know what you got on
2: your mind listen i have a system and a program that will allow you to meet the highest profile people on the Planet allow you to create not only content for them and notoriety for them, but it will also allow you to extract and leverage their name to make money. How would you like to do that? I can tell you that with no money down, I was able to make over ten thousand dollars a month doing it. How would you like to learn that system? Boom! That's my pitch.
1: Boom!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Oh man! All right. So this has been an amazing episode. This has been one of you know humble beginnings to. Pure hustle. This is the definition of what hustle culture is, and this is why we do the show. Do the show to show others that as you're going through the climate, it is possible. Um, you know your story as you know you start up from obscure, absolute poverty, and you've risen to to a level where you know you can have. Um, lunch and dinner with some of the you know some inspirational people in the world so we just want to thank you for coming on the show uh thank you for being a teacher thank you for being an influencer thank you for being an inspiration and we can't wait for your episode to get get here um so Excited. thank you ah thank you and uh we'll definitely make sure we put all this stuff in the show notes so you people can get access to your stuff and come uh, become part of your podcast tribe so thank you for this and till next time world use Your difference to make a difference.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hustle Culture Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and keep on hustling.